Know that if you want to know that you version, all the verses for today are in that, and you can check that out because we are in Romans chapter 8. Someone say, wait a minute, you're not doing the book of Romans, you're only doing one chapter? One chapter. One chapter, four weeks, knocking out chapter 8. Last week, we started off with this incredible picture of this idea between if we walk towards the flesh or we walk towards the spirit. And what happens in that context. And so today, what I'm going to do is going to take you through really actually just a a few uh, scriptures. But I think they're powerful in showing us what is happening in our lives as we become heirs of Christ. So to run into that, I'm going to actually have us go back to last week where we ended in verse 11. And it said this, If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through a spirit who dwells in you. And we talked about the idea that if we are going towards the spirit, he gives life even to this vessel, this thing that, like I told you, that is breaking us down, that we're fighting against to the day we die, will give life to us. And so that's where we ended last week in verse 11. We're going to pick up in verse 12. And verse 12 says this, So then, brothers, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. It says, we are debtors. But then it goes on to say, not to the flesh. We'll get to that in a minute. But you need to understand, um, you are in debt. So let me show you some scriptures that back that up. First Peter 1, 18 through 19. Knowing that you were ransomed, from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. You were ransomed, purchased. See, and the, and, and the idea is that if, if, if I was ransomed, if, if, if I understand the price paid for me, do I understand, do I grasp it? One of the things that you can do for your spiritual life is to grasp the depth of what Christ did to give you life. And that sense, not of I owe him and so therefore I got to do it, but it's, it's this overwhelming sense that he loved us so much that he paid for us with his very blood. But it goes back to verse 12. It says, So then, brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh. Let me say this. You don't owe your flesh anything. Although, ironically, your flesh flesh wants you to make a huge payment. It wants the payment of doing what it wants. And sometimes, matter of fact, this this is spoken up in Scripture. Sometimes we feel like we're enslaved to our flesh. That our flesh somehow has this authority over us. But this passage says, we are debtors, but not to our flesh, to live according to the flesh. Folks, we don't have to have the flesh be the thing that drives us. Hey, I just want to get what I want to get, do what I want to do, have these things. We don't have to have that be the driving force. The driving force should be that which is someone came in and stepped into that situation, loved us, died for us, and gave us life. But again, I'm not indebted to my flesh. I don't have to fulfill its wishes. Strong, it wants me to, but I don't have to because someone else has come in and paid that part for me. Let's go to verse uh, 13, all right? Go ahead, Tim. uh, I'm sorry, Jason. Go ahead and switch over. You got it? It's all you, man. 
See if you can follow along. When my screen goes dead, now it's all on Jason. So if it all goes bad, just keep looking back to his corner and shaking your head like this. Like, that's what you got to do. All right, verse 13. Uh, For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. If you continually go towards this thing where I'm going to give what my flesh wants, give what my flesh wants, give what my flesh wants, it says you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. So here's what we need to understand. If by the Spirit you put to death, I'm going to go over here, put to death the deeds of the that's, that's the issue. How do I put to death the deeds of the body. Well, let's look at some of the passages. 1 John 3, 9. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning. For God's seed abides in him, and he cannot keep on sinning because he's been born of God. Now, I want you to understand where this comes from. No one born of God, you've been born again, makes a practice of sinning. Notice that phrase is very important that you see that. Makes a practice of sinning. Will you sin? Yes. But you don't make a practice of it. You have chosen to fight that. You have chosen to come over and be a part of the the Spirit. And so, yes, you will have these moments where you sin. But it's not the driving force anymore. As a matter of fact, for God's seed abides in you. And that's what we talk about with the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, as I said last week, is trying to unction us, move us, push us to where we should be. And again, if I am feeding that spirit, if I'm walking towards him, not my flesh walking towards him, then I am not practicing sinning. And he cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. If Christ is in you, there is going to be a battle that happens within you that says, look, you just can't keep on sinning and call yourself a Christian. You can't just keep justifying these things. You're going to have to come to this place of saying, if Jesus died for me and he is within me, I can't keep going down this and be good with it. You will not have peace. You will not have rest. Philippians 1.6. Philippians 1.6 says this, I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. He who began a good work in you. What this means is, is that we are in this process of transformation. Walking away from the flesh, walking towards a more holy life. But watch what happens. He will bring it to completion, meaning it doesn't get completed till the very end. You are always going to be in process. You are always going to be in this place of being brought towards more holiness. You don't just arrive it is going to be a continually molding, reshaping of who we are. So let's go to verse 14. Romans eight fourteen says, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. Now, look what this passage is trying to say. If the Spirit is leading you and you are then walking towards Christ, then God goes, that's my kid. You're, you're walking towards me. You're starting to walk like me, act like me, do what I would have you do. And he's already claimed you as his child, but we're going to get into that even deeper. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. 
Now, what I want to have us do here is that I want to, I want to basically um, show you something, and I'm going to use these scriptures to hopefully help us grasp this. This is um, us in Romans 15. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. The Spirit does not call you to then have you go back to this place where you've been. It's a movement. It is a growth. But you have received the spirit of adoption as sons to whom we cry, Abba, Father. Now, that Abba, Father is important. If you were, by the way, if you've ever been anywhere, public place, uh, playground, whatever, you can hear kids say, Mom, Mom, Dad, Dad, right? Or Daddy. You've been there, right? It's amazing how you can hear yours, right? They're all saying the same name, but you can hear yours, right? You know your call, right? It's like, whoop, there's mine, right? If this is what you would have heard children say about their dads in the time of Jesus, Abba, Daddy, okay? So here's what's happening. You do not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back to fear, but have received the spirit of adoption as sons to whom we cry, Abba, Father. We get to call him Daddy. We've moved past Father, formal, to Daddy. Because we've been adopted. We've been adopted and given full rights. You're my kid, is what he says. And therefore, we're not in this place of going back. We were a slave, yes, to our sinful nature, but he's called us out of that to say, you're my child. Now, here's the deal. We know the kids are going to mess up. We know the kids are going to keep doing wrong things, but we love them. We pick them up. We dust them off. We correct them. We guide them because they're in this process of maturing into an adult. Like I said, my son Ben is going off to college. He's been in process. My, our job is... Jody and I's job was not to have him stay with us for the rest of his life. Please, Lord Jesus, may it not be so. (laughs) Love him, right? There's this moment where we've hopefully poured into enough, led him enough, guided him enough, and then there's enough of him that we say, go attack this world. And we hope that we cross our fingers and hope we did a good job, right? But in that process, we got to watch him go through stages. We got to watch him go through things. And in those things, hopefully there was correction and there was guidance and there was encouragement. And sometimes, yes, there was these times we had to say, no, that's not the right thing for you. But his hope was to become this person who he is. And so we get to see this stage. And now he's heading off to a new stage where actually he gets to try some of these things out on his own. We're not going to know where he's at. Well, I have an app on my phone. I'll know mainly where he's at. But I mean... (laughs) It happened the other day, Ethan, I looked at my app and he said, Ethan was at, was at Washington High Hospital. And I called him, I go, what are you doing at the hospital? And he goes, I'm at Chipotle, what are you doing? <laughs> if you don't know, there's a Chipotle right by Washington Hospital. Anyway, so uh, I didn't chip my kids, it's on their phones, although I have thought about it. So here's the deal. But in this thing, Ben gets to go do and try out this whole thing of adulthood. We were all there. And sadly, I would love to say that he's going to do a great and perfect job, but we all know that he is a human being, therefore he's going to struggle just like every one of us do. Amen? But hopefully, he's had enough of a direction that he's not walking towards flesh, but walking towards spirit. 
John 1, 12 through 13. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood and of the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. We get to be called children of God. And I've said this over and over again. That's the best title you will ever get is child of God. Verse 16. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. The Spirit reminds me that I'm his child. The Spirit reminds me that I am his. And by the way, it is amazing to me, and just I just want to be just blunt with you, that there are things that I have done towards the flesh that the moment that they're done, the Spirit inside of me aches because it's not my now normal nature. Say that again. Where before, if I would not have had Christ, this would have been normal for me. Now, because of the Spirit within me, I do this thing that is a sin, but there's an automatic ache because I'm like, this is not the path I'm supposed to be on. This is not who I am. And it brings me back to this place that says, no, this is the path. This is where I need to be. The Spirit himself bears witness to our spirit that we are children of God. And if I'm his child, then I want to walk like my father. I want to walk like him. I want to talk like him. I want to act like him. Ephesians 1, 13 through 14. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with a, the with a promised Holy Spirit. You were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance— that is child speak. I get an inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. So until I get that inheritance, he's been sealed with me because I'm his child. I'm his child. In verse 17, and if children then, heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. If children then, then heirs, so, um, we all understand the concept of like, I have kids and, and someday I will no longer be here and, and, and the stuff that was mine will be divvied up between them. They're my heirs. We all get that. Some of you have had that happen where someone calls and says, hey, you're, you're, you know, this happened and, and you're an heir and, and you get possessions. You, you, ha- you have been given from someone before. So it says, and if children then were heirs, heirs of God, and bother, watch this, fellow heirs with Christ. Because where's kid? Where's kid? Titus 3, 4 through 7. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us. Not because of the works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy. By the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. I'm just telling you, if you want a passage just to be encouraged by, Titus 3, 4 through 7 is a pretty good one to do. Whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. So that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. See, here's it, that we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. 
In a society where it becomes whose am I, this becomes powerful. Because when you have a God that says, no, you're my child, you're my child, that's a powerful statement. How many of you guys have ever been at a sporting event, right? And your kid's out there and somehow you make it known to the people around you which one's yours? Usually because that means that kid was doing something pretty good and you wanted to see that one's mine, right? There's something we want people to know who our kid is. That one's mine. That one right there. Then there's that time the kid's doing something and you hope they don't recognize that. Okay, that one's not mine. That's somebody else's kid, right? But there's these moments where God goes, no, 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 you're mine. You're mine. He died for you. He paid a price for you. He not only called you a children, made you an heir. He goes, I'm building a place for you so that you can be where I am. You can have that place with me. Chapter 8 of the book of Romans starts off with this, this, this idea that, listen, you've got to make a choice. Either you're going to walk by the Spirit or you're going to walk by the flesh. That's what you're going to do. And by the way, every time you make that choice, but listen to me, if we are His children walking by the Spirit, we get to claim that. Now, I know that my flesh is strong. I know that it wants what it wants. I know that it wants to have what it wants. But in the process, how do I say, no, God, God, let me walk like you. Let me become like you in what I do and how I live. So if we go back, and if children then, heirs of God, fellow heirs with Christ, provided, now by the way, this whole thing's about to go south really quick. We've been doing so good. I want you to know you've been in such a good place. This is so good. I'm his child. I'm his heir. And then this word provided comes up. <laughs> Get ready. Provided we suffer. Whoa, 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 what? Where did this come from? I was, on the, I was on the happy, I'm his child, I'm his air train. Where does this suffering come up? Provided we suffer with him in order that we may be glorified with him. Now, this is the part that, by the way, we don't put on bumper stickers and we don't like to talk about in church. You need to understand something. When you claim Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, yes, you are adopted as a son. You get to call him daddy. You get to walk with him. But you've just been joined to a club where all of a sudden you are a part of the enemy of the world. That is not, by the way, it's not in the fine print. It's in the red print. But we don't talk about it a lot. Jesus did. He didn't hide from it. So let me show you. Jesus did not hide from this. This is, this again is something I want you to grasp. Verse 18, for I consider that the sufferings of the present time are not worth comparing to the glory that is to be revealed to us. Now that, by the way, that's how we're going to start next week. 
But notice what Paul says. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed. Suffering is coming, but what we're going to go through here is not even close to what we're going to experience in glory. So whatever you experience here, yes, nuisance, pain, hard, please understand it's nothing compared to the glory that you're going to have. But I'm telling you, when you're in the suffering, it's hard to see the glory. When you're in the suffering, it's hard to remember that there's a glorious end to this story. Because you're in the pain. But Jesus, again, did not back away from this. In 2 Corinthians 11, 24-28, it says this. Five times I received the hands of the Jews, the forty lashes uh, less one. This is Paul speaking. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea on frequent journeys in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, dangers from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers. In toil and hardship through many a sleepless night in hunger and thirst, often without food, cold and exposure... And apart from other things, there's the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. And Paul then says, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing to the glory of Christ. Did you just read that list? Beatings, shipwrecked. In this, he's going, yeah, none of that is as good to what's coming. See, it's hard to come after someone like that who's already said, you can do whatever you want to me because it's not going to be as good as this. That's how Paul sings in a prison cell in the city of Philippi. This is nothing compared, but I'm telling you, it's not how we see it. When suffering comes, we say, God, why have you done this to me? When suffering comes, I go, what, what, what did I do wrong? And God keeps saying, no, it's actually just normal. It's a part of what you sign up for when you become my child. Really? Well, John, um, let's go to John 15, 18 through 19. If the world hates you, know that it hated me before it hated you. Verse 19. If you are of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. That's Jesus speaking. Wait a minute. When I accepted him and said, I want you to be my daddy, and he got me to be his child and his heir, he goes, the world hates you. Yeah, because it hates me first. It comes with a package. So why does the world hate. Because what we do is what I call the Lazarus effect. Lazarus was the guy that was uh, raised from the dead by Jesus. And if you read the story and you keep reading, you're like, yay, great Lazarus. He, he's really, he, and Jesus says, Un- unwrap him. But if you keep reading, this is, I love this so much. The Jews said, we have to kill Lazarus. And Jesus, he's like, I just got back. Do you know why they wanted to kill Lazarus? Because he was a walking, talking, living, breathing example of the power of Jesus Christ. And if they took him down, then it wouldn't give to that. Let me tell you what the problem is, folks. Why does the world hate you? Because you're a living, breathing, walking, talking example of the power of Jesus Christ. 
And you are the light of the world, which, by the way, exposes their sin, and no one wants their sin exposed, so therefore you become the enemy. Matthew 10, 22. And you will be hated by all for my name's sake, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. And that's Paul going glory at the end. I'll endure shipwrecks. I'll endure beatings. I'll endure these things because I want what's at the end. This is not in the fine print. Jesus said these things, folks. If you're going to become his child and know at the end, then you're going to suffer. Relationships are going to be hard. People are not going to like that you stand for something called Christianity. They're not going to like the group that you're associated with. They're not going to like what you have stood on when it comes to the faith of what God says in his word. But you've been chosen and he calls you his child. But by the way, this is what comes with it. Let's go back to verse 17. And if children then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. So if all of a sudden right now you decided you didn't know that was in the fine print or what you think is the fine print, no, I'm telling you, it's right there. If you're going to come follow him, you put yourself in a place to suffer. Jeff, what does that mean? There are people who, by the way, have, they'll, they'll be doing business with someone. Sometimes they're a Christian. They don't want to do business with them anymore. There are people that will meet with you and talk with you. And as soon as they find out, I just had this experience this week. I was talking with a guy. I was sitting over at our coffee shop down the street from our house. I was talking with this guy, having this great conversation. And I, I could feel it coming. Had a great conversation. Then he did what they always do. So what do you do? I'm a pastor. Conversation took a complete right turn. Look of disgust came on his face. Because to him, I now just moved into the enemy category. Five seconds before he asked that question, I was a great guy. Now I'm the enemy. It was amazing how quickly he got out of that conversation. He did not want to be talking with me. And I, and I just found myself sitting there praying. He, he went to go to the bathroom and never came back. Why? I didn't, all I said was the pastor. And all of a sudden, I was un... Uh, in his mind, he is unwilling to, to have anything else to do with me at that moment. Now, I wasn't beaten. I wasn't drugged through the street. Please don't. I'm not trying to make anything big of that. But just know that for when you make a stance, there are going to be those going to have a reaction to you. And yes, potentially, in the future, in America, it could even become violent. Don't be surprised. 1 Peter 4, 12 through 13. Beloved, do not be surprised by the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you. Do not be surprised. As though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice insofar as you share in Christ's sufferings that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. If we're going to take a stand and say, I'm his child, then we can't be surprised when people react the way they do. Don't be surprised. And I know you're like, Jeff, it was, you were doing so well. I was a child. I was an heir. This was so good. And then you took us down this horrible path. No, I didn't. This is the truth 
of what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Because to be in the place where God puts his protection over you means that there are those who do not want to have their life challenged by what you stand for. It's just true. We don't experience it in America, but I'm just telling you, this is happening around the world. Around the world, there are people being beaten. There are people who are being killed because of their profession of Jesus Christ. And they read those scriptures and said, do not be surprised. But look at the last part. That you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. I want to stand next to him and be glad when his glory is revealed. My heavenly father, who, by the way, adopted me, bought me with his blood, gave me sonship and calls me his own and says to me, you're my heir. I'm creating a place for you to go to. You're mine. And I'm sorry, but because you're associated with me, don't be surprised when the attacks come. It comes with it, folks. Don't be surprised. But stand up and go, that's my father who saved me from me and gave me hope and gave me life. That's what it means to be his child, his heir. And may we stand in that truth. And with that, let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, May we take today's message. May we hear what it means to be your child. May we hear what it means to be your heir. May we hear what it means to walk away from that life of death and that life of slavery. But Father, once we've chosen you, we also need to know that a part of that process is suffering. And we don't experience it in the United States the way they do around the world, but that doesn't mean it's not true and it doesn't mean it's not there. It just means that it hasn't happened to us yet. But we cannot be surprised that that could be the truth as well. Let us walk into that, towards that, Father, for your glory and for your purpose. Thank you, Father, for today. In Jesus' name, amen.